0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work.
2: Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I am Steven Serta. Very happy to be joined by Brandon Lee Gouten, the leader of bleedinggreennation.com, our friends covering the Philadelphia Eagles. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gouten. BLG, what's happening, my friend? Can we get a uh, vibes check? How are you feeling a few days ahead <laughs> of the Super Bowl?
1: I'm feeling like I wish the Super Bowl was here already, Steven. <laughs> I, really, I really want Sunday to be here. You know, it's fun in theory to get all this build up and it's such a big game, the big game, if you will. Uh, But really, it's just it's time. It's time for football. We'll have a nice conversation here today. I'm excited about that. But uh, I I really wish I could just kind of fast forward to Sunday.
2: Yeah, I am totally with you on that. Um, We do this every year. Um, It's been a couple of years since I've had to go through the grind of a Chiefs Super Bowl appearance. But we do this every single year where... There's way too much time in between conference championships in the Super Bowl and by that Friday we're all just basically crawling on the ground just like dying of thirst for a football game and so the takes are already getting ridiculous so I am totally with you on all of that but I am very excited for Sunday's game it cannot get here fast enough and so I'm excited to chat with you for uh, the listeners in our Chiefs audience, um, who you know aren't as locked in to the Philadelphia Eagles as someone like you is. Like, this is a good opportunity to try to fill them in on some players that maybe they're not, they don't know, or they're not paying attention to, or things that they don't even really understand or acknowledge when it comes to this game, because a lot of it is just it's Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts is offensive line versus defensive line and stuff like that. So kind of what I wanted to get your take on to start things off here is you know the Eagles obviously uh howie Roseman one of the most respected general managers in football and the Eagles are one of the best organizations in football right now and how he shows it on a yearly basis by kind of fleecing some of these other teams and deals and making moves so you know, for a team that was just in a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl in recent past, this is a very different team. Like this team has gone through a total rebuild, basically, with still some few key members from that Super Bowl roster. But how did this team turn this thing around so fast where you go from Doug Peterson, Super Bowl, Carson Wentz, quarterback, Nick Foles, playoff run, and now like you rebuild it a couple of years later with a new coaching staff, new roster, new quarterback, and you're just back in a Super Bowl again.
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Stephen. I mean, this this could be like a 30 minute answer here, but uh, <laughs> I I think it's it's really is unique, and we have to take the time to point that out because it's crazy. Like, how many teams do this? They get back to the Super Bowl with a totally different head coach, a totally different quarterback. Um, last time it was a backup quarterback. It's, it's just very unique. I think it kind of speaks to, um, you know, what this organization has done well in a lot of regards, which is have stability, even though there have been periods of turmoil. I mean, ultimately, Jeffrey Lurie has proven to be good at hiring head coaches. I think part of that is that, yes, the head coaches are good, but also there is this organizational stability in place and support system when it comes to things like, you know, training staff now and an approach there where I think that the Eagles have been able to stay so healthy in part because they're very disciplined about how they practice. There wasn't a single day in training camp this year where there was like more than two practices in a row and their practices are short and they get a lot of flack for that in the, in the summer when everyone's like, Oh, they're not practicing enough. Well, I mean, it seems to be working out for them. You know, you could say the downside is like it was early on in the season. They weren't necessarily the best tackling team. Maybe they kind of, that's, that's the the price you have to pay for that health. I mean, you'll, you'll sign up for the health and not having any kind of key injuries in training camp. And that's just one example. You know, the analytics is obviously another big factor. Just the fact that, we saw Sirianni, uh, we're, we're seeing Sirianni be so aggressive, and we obviously saw that with Doug Peterson once upon a time as well. And I don't think you can just say the organization alone deserves credit for that. So ultimately, is the coach making the call in a key situation and deciding to go for it? But obviously, they're they're you know being briefed on these kind of decisions, and you know they're going into that uh, decision-making process with a lot of information. So you know, I think there's a lot of support here. And I think that Harry Roseman is obviously a, a common denominator here in terms of Just the talent that he was able to acquire. It's it's really kind of funny because last year I was a little bit frustrated um with the discussion or the discourse about Howie because it was like, wow, he's done a great job turning around this team from four and twelve or whatever it was to uh four eleven and one to you know playoff team. And I'm like, okay, but he's the same guy who tore down the Super Bowl team that he also built. So it's kind of it, it's it was almost as if people treated it like he was a brand new GM that took over this bad situation. But he made the bad situation. Um, so, you know, I think more than one thing could be true. I think how he did a bad job of maintaining the team after the Eagles initial first Super Bowl, which at the time I thought was a little bit fluky in the terms of he he really hit on a number of key Free agency signings in that one offseason in 2017, in terms of Oshawn Jeffrey and Garrett Blunt and Chris Long and Patrick Robinson. Like you can go down the list, and it wasn't necessarily sustainable to me. Uh, you know, a bunch of those guys were on one year deals, short term deals. So I kind of wondered about that. And then, you know, obviously Wentz fell apart. And I think the Eagles organization, uh, one of the things I will critique them for is that they kind of they coddled him too much at the same time. They also maybe didn't coddle him enough some thought because they drafted Jalen Hurts after he went on a playoff run and I think you know what they they never saw Jalen Hurts being they didn't draft him because they thought he was going to be you know an MVP candidate I can't buy that what I can buy is they they saw a player who was so uniquely um dialed in in a way that uh like how Sirianni compares uh, Jalen Hurts to Michael Jordan there's just this will to win and I think they they saw something special and they say hey let's bet on that we don't know exactly what this is going to turn into, but we love this profile of this this prospect, and it has worked out for them. So you know, there's there's a mixture of luck in here. There's a long answer, I know, um, but there's also a lot of credit in terms of Howie. And one of the things that I've always said about Howie, even when I've been critical of him, is that he's really good at understanding value. So it's no surprise when he's able to get you know these big trades done and and their favorable terms for the Eagles because he just has that ability. And even when I have been critical of the Eagles in the past. It's never because they, they were dumb. it's just because I think they were too smart for their own good. I think they've outsmarted themselves in the past um, which is kind of a, maybe a funny thing to think about. but um, a long story short, I guess is that you know they've, they've had the right people in place when it comes to good ownership. Uh, a GM who has clearly borne out to be good and potentially a Hall of famer here if the Eagles win two Super Bowls. Um, and there's just there's a lot of for as much as the bad things have gone on and there's some turmoil post Super Bowl. Ultimately, there has been stability here.
2: Well, and I think what you said about kind of the situation that he put them in after that initial Super Bowl, like it's really easy for this stuff to unravel fast. And so, for how you to be able to for it to unravel like that, the way that it did, where you have to get rid of your quarterback, you get rid of your head coach, and you kind of rebuild the thing. And then to be back here, like it says how smart he is as a general manager. And you mentioned the training staff and that's something that I think is so underrated and doesn't get talked about because like the chief, the chief's head trainer is Rick Burkholder. Like your average fan has no idea who Rick Burkholder is and how long he's been with the Kansas city chiefs, but he's an Andy Reed guy and the, the chiefs for a long time mismanage injuries and they don't do that anymore. Like they're really smart with the way they manage snaps and health. And, and you mentioned them know kind of laying off in training camp the chiefs do that too andy will just be like just take the day off like we we don't we don't care we we need you for late in the season and that stuff's really important like they mismanaged eric Berry's injuries in the past in kansas city they mismanaged jamal charles justin houston like those are veteran players that basically after they left the chiefs organization couldn't sign to a team because they were physically broken and so the strategy that's changed around that, I mean, I get that other like old-school football people are like, you're not, they're soft now. The game's <laughs> soft because you don't practice. Like No, we see that it matters where we're going to have a really good football game on Sunday between the two best teams in the NFL, and both of them are relatively healthy with all of the difference makers that they need to have on the field to make this a great game. So I think that's something that is really interesting and something that really goes overlooked. But you already mentioned, Uh, you know, this team is obviously loaded, and I I think the biggest offseason acquisitions they made, obviously a blockbuster trade for wide receiver AJ Brown, who, in my opinion, is one of the best wide receivers in football. He's an absolute stud. And then signing Hassan Reddick, who has had a weird career, but has always looked like he was a really good football player, and for some reason has had issues kind of sticking and Oh, had a, had a good year with the Carolina Panthers last year, and then he comes in and obviously has a monster year for the Philadelphia Eagles. But those are the guys that Chiefs fans know. Like those those are the guys that they that they are well aware of. But this team made a lot of moves this off season, and the Chiefs played them last year and beat them in the regular season. But this is a totally different football team. So I'm just curious, what are some other like under the radar moves that this team made this off or during the season at the trade deadline that? just aren't highlighted enough that that are hugely impactful moves that help them get to a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I, I think you can also look at the fact that the NFL's interception leader in and, yeah. and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who they were able to just pick up because the Saints clearly weren't willing to pay him long-term. And I saw Sean Payton speaking on FS1, and I saw you quote this from me, uh, about like, well, I don't know why the Saints got rid of him, and you were like, what? Like, oh, well, maybe it's because of the Taysom Hill contract. Yeah.
2: The, the Saints are $60 million in cap space right now
1: that's a very nice it's a funny thing for him to be able to do it's just like criticize them from afar for decisions that he made but he doesn't have to pay for it because he's moved on um but yeah cJ Gj has been awesome and you know I think he could be a big factor in this game when we're talking about Travis Kelsey and you know potential answers or at least not you know not gonna shut him down by any means but at least slow him down a little bit or maybe um you know cJ Gj can make a big play because he has a knack for doing that on the ball I mean he's been really important here. And I would think the team wants to sign him long-term. We'll see. After the season, he's a free agent. So is Marcus Epps. He Eagles' other starting safety. And then I'll point to James Bradbury as well. I mean, for the Giants to just cut him uh, at a later point in the off season, when basically you know there was no market for players at that, well, I mean, relatively speaking, because it wasn't at the start of the new league year where everyone has their money and is willing to spend and be aggressive, and you know, they released him a little bit later, so he didn't have the same kind of market that he would have if they had cut him or, or parted ways um, in the beginning of the year. And I remember once upon a time, if I'm not mistaken, like the Chiefs were in the mix there uh, as a team, rumored to be interested in a potential James Bradbury trade if the Giants were going to deal him. Uh, he, he ends up getting cut, goes to Philly. I mean, in terms of passer rating allowed, which is just one way to look at a cornerback season, but he's a better passer rating allowed than Darius Slay this season. I, I think you can make a case he, he's he been better. Um, obviously, most people take the body of work of Slay over Bradbury, but, he, but he's been that good is the point. So you have those two guys in the secondary, and this Eagles pass defense is so good, and everyone wants to talk about the defensive line, and they should because it deserves a lot of credit you know, you have four players with double digit sacks never happened in the NFL before. Um, they've been crazy. And part of the reason they're so good up front though, is because the secondary buys them time to get home and attack the quarterback.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned James Bradbury because yeah, he was the guy that I wanted the chiefs to go after. And I understand for a player like him, but he's just always been so good and never really gotten recognized for how good he's been. He was good in Carolina and, He was good for the New York Giants, even though they were a disaster with Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge and all of that and everything that was going on there. So, like, I understand why you wouldn't be super familiar with James Bradbury when he was a New York Giant. But you should know who he is with the Philadelphia Eagles because he's been spectacular this season and yeah, just a really underrated NFL player. Um, But. There's been a lot of discussion this week and it might go back to what, what, what we already talked about. Like there's just too much time in between the conference championship <laughs> games and, and the Super Bowl. but this is kind of what everybody does. Uh, I feel like is you, you try to find all of the little microscopic things to pick apart and, and decide, well, this is the difference maker. This is why this team isn't as good as their record shows or, or, or whatever, And so there's been a lot of scrutiny around the Eagles regular season schedule this season, which I think is ridiculous. They don't decide it. Um, All you can do is go out there and win on a weekly basis. And I don't think that should really dictate uh, how highly you think uh, of a particular team. And I felt like the Eagles were really being slept on uh, ahead of the playoffs to the point where I initially was picking the San Francisco 49ers and I switched a lot of my stuff to the Eagles in the Super Bowl because you know, they had that month or so at the end of the season where Jalen Hurts it goes down with the shoulder injury and, you know, they're not playing their best football, but they're injured. There was a ton of other injuries that they were dealing with at that time, like Lane Johnson, who is an all world tackle, was was banged up and and they were dealing with some other stuff. I, I just feel like a lot of people keep finding ways to explain why they should doubt the Eagles when the Eagles are obviously one of the two best teams in football. And I don't think that the schedule should really mean all that much when it comes to this game. It, it's one game against one football team and, and it comes down to who can game plan better and who can execute better.
1: There's also a lot of like maybe inconsistent uh, holes to poke at the Eagles that people do it's like well you know Sirianni isn't good because the roster is really good but then um you know Jalen Hurts you know he's he's not that great because of this and then uh, it's just like okay but then how did they win all these games how did, yeah. how did this happen it's prior um, to the
2: injury he was the only one in my mind who was close to Mahomes in the MVP discussion
1: I think he, you know, I think if he didn't get hurt, I think he might have taken it. I mean, he was yeah. he was looking. Pr- I think he was above in terms of just the odds. He was above Mahomes, like when they played the Bears that week and he got hurt. Um, so if if he finished strong, and let's say you know the Eagles they lost two games after that without him, but if they if they if they won out to finish the season, I think he probably would have gotten it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something to consider regarding the easy schedule. note, I mean there, it's not like without basis in terms of. Um, like football outsiders that did face the easiest schedule in the league. Uh Chiefs faced the fourth easiest. <laughs> it wasn't like the Chiefs had this like I think gauntlet of a schedule. I was talking to Pete um uh on the NFC East mixtape with RJ this week and I was like you know Pete what is what is like the Chiefs signature win like that is or or wins multiple that are so great by comparison to what the Eagles have done. And the Eagles are seven and one against playoff teams this season with a plus one 15-point differential. That's 51 points better than any other team. And the only loss that they had to a playoff team was with Gardner Minshew (laughs) in his first start after Jalen Hurts got hurt. And that was like a game the Eagles were in down to the wire at the end of it, too. It wasn't even like a game they got blown out or anything. Um, I thought they outplayed Dallas in that game and just kind of got some unlucky breaks, but whatever. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a little too much to say uh, the Eagles haven't played anybody because even if you do want to say that, the way they've won, there's no historical like precedent for this. The way they've cr- they crushed the Giants, who the Giants were getting respect going into that matchup in terms of wow, they beat the Vikings like this. Daniel Jones kind of Brian Dable, coach of the year candidate. Same thing with Kyle Shanahan, coach of the year candidate. Um, for the Eagles to destroy these teams like they did. And I don't want to hear they got lucky against the 49ers, like the Eagles knocked those quarterbacks out of the game legally and fair. It wasn't like Brock Purdy, you know, stubbed his toe or did something, you know, in warmups and like they totally just benefited from some fluke injury. Like they knocked the crap out of him and knocked him out of the game. And also, the 49ers deserve more criticism for trying to block Hassan Reddick with a t- like a tight end, a backup tight end at that. Um, maybe don't do that because that's not just bad luck. Like that's the Eagles' physical pass rush taking a toll. And I, that if we're spinning it forward to this week's game, too, that's going to be something to watch. If the Eagles are able to, um, you know, like affect Patrick Mahomes and kind of wear him down, I don't think that's lucky. I think
2: that's, you know, having a good pass rush. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to Andrew Wiley versus Hassan Reddick in in this game. (laughs) Um, Wiley's been better than I think he gets credit for this season, but still going against Hassan Reddick, who the chiefs tackles really struggle with speed guys mm. and Hassan Reddick is explosive, man, that guy, that guy can get off the ball quick and get around the corner. So not looking forward to that matchup, but we'll see uh, what Andy Reed has in store. And, and hopefully they'll find a way to try to slow that Eagles pass rush down. Um, uh, another, Um, individual I guess on the Eagles roster that I feel like gets criticism a lot and and something that I'm hoping you can help me explain because I'm not as in tune with this as you are but defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon I feel like he gets a lot of criticism for his schemes and and his play calling and I'm just curious like do you (laughs) think that that's warranted like does he deserve criticism for the the way he approaches defense or and Is it like just they've just got so much talent, it doesn't matter, and they overcome that? Or does he deserve more respect as a defensive coordinator? It's hard
1: for me to say he doesn't deserve respect when you go out and you you only allow seven points in each of your two playoff wins here. And Jonathan Gannon's stock has never been higher than when uh, that recent clip of him emerged driving into the Eagles game before the 49ers. And he said, we're going to eff and gut this team. <laughs> I mean, people love seeing that. I love seeing that. I mean, that's the side of Gannon we haven't seen before. Um I get, I mean, I, I have criticized Gannon for being, I think at times too passive and, and I get, Conceptually, what he's trying to do makes sense from like an analytical standpoint. Of you want teams to have to go on these long drives because, in theory, there's going to be a mistake at some point, a penalty that knocks them off schedule, like a holding or whatever, or a turnover. Um, so it could be not even because that team is bad, but because you know there's just a, a tip ball, something fluky kind of happens, and you, and you capitalize on that as opposed to allowing the big plays, um, which you know can do a lot of damage. But I think. There's times where he's gotten a little too married to that idea. And I think there are times where you have to force the issue and you can't just sit back and allow the offense to do things. And this is specifically manifested as an issue against these teams with top quarterbacks who aren't going to make that mistake there. If you give them things underneath and you play off them, they're just going to be able to go down up and down the field all day long and take advantage and not make those mistakes. So I will say I'm more encouraged about Jonathan Gannon lately But like the biggest question of this game, really, the the biggest area of of concern for the Eagles is how is Jonathan Gannon going to look against the top quarterback? Because if you want to get into the Eagles schedule and like what we just talked about before, I think a valid criticism is like, you know, who have they played at quarterback? That is definitely something you can kind of wonder about. And how has Gannon looked against those teams? You had Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't like amazing necessarily, but he did pretty decent. And then Jordan Love, you know, had a, a good some played decently when he had to fill in after Rodgers got hurt in that game. And again, Rodgers wasn't even playing at a hundred percent; he had a broken thumb or whatever, and kind of just a weird year for him in that team. And then Dak went something of like twenty four for twenty four <laughs> against Zone when the, the the Cowboys were playing the Eagles, and the Eagles clearly just had no answer for him at all. So you know, I think it's absolutely fair to wonder what they're going to do against Mahomes, and that's not even necessarily the biggest slight against Gannon because. What can you do against Patrick Mahomes at some yeah. level? It feels like you have to, um, you know, prevent yourself from getting totally annihilated. Maybe there has to be a moment where you're, you're you know, you can't keep them to, you know, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, but you just need that one turnover, that one mistake that you capitalize on it. I think it's, it looks like something like that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the big question. Can Gannon do anything to kind of like at least keep Mahomes in check? It's not about shutting him down, it's just like slowing him down a little bit.
2: Yeah, and I mean everybody in the NFL is still trying to figure out how to stop Patrick Mahomes. Like they thought that they had it figured out last season, and then he was like, "Okay, fine, I'll turn <laughs> into this Brady type of offense and just and just take the underneath stuff and, and just kill you with efficiency instead of the explosive plays." So it does come down to that, and I, I think that it's a, a key for the Eagles in this game if they get out early. Then you can play back a little bit. And then you see Patrick Mahomes try to force things a little bit. Like I understand he's incredible, but Patrick Mahomes does throw some bad interceptions here and there. He doesn't throw it as often as you might think, but you can force him into some throws like that. So that kind of leads me to my next question because obviously I assume you're gonna pick the Eagles in this football game. So I'm not gonna ask you for your Super Bowl prediction, but if you had to decide, like, where do you think that the coaching advantage lies between these mm-hmm. two teams?
1: Yeah, I think the common take that's out there uh, is that, you know, the Chiefs have the advantage leading up to the game because Andy Reid, you know, Hall of Fame coach, all time game planner. But and, and I think Andy's gotten better at game management, certainly from his time in Philly. But I still think I would take Sirianni oh. and <laughs> his tracker here right and- now.
2: And and I was going to say, like, I I still think all of that stuff exists. Patrick Mahomes covers a lot of it up for Andy.
1: Oh, sure. Exactly. So, yeah. And and we saw some of that, right, in the championship game. Some questionable things going on there. I mean, the Chiefs punted from what? Like the Bengals 37-yard line? or 39-something. Like, Andy, what are we doing here? So, you know, I I definitely think that is a factor. And that that is something, especially if the game is close late in the game, obviously I'm going to be terrified of what Mahomes can do. But I'm also going to have some – hope maybe that Andy might bot some kind of late-game decision or, or, or something along those lines, whereas I expect Nick Sigrani to give the Eagles that edge. And, you know, look, I think last year's game between the Eagles and Chiefs uh, doesn't hold a ton of meaning because if you look at the, the roster, especially for the Eagles, things are, like, way different now. I and mean, the Eagles, the offensive line, I kind of forgot. They, they were starting Andre Dillard, the backup left tackle, They were starting Landon Dickerson in his second-ever start at left guard. He'd kind of come into the season uh, hurt coming off that injury. He suffered at Alabama. Jason Kelsey was there, so that's good. But then at right guard, you had Nate Herbig, who's not even on the team anymore. He was basically cut him in the offseason. And then you had Jack Driscoll uh, at right tackle instead of Lane Johnson, who I forgot about this. That was like the first game where Lane Johnson took that mental health break in the middle of the season last year. Like, unexpectedly. <laughs> we didn't know he was leaving the team. I think he only left the team on, like, the Saturday before the game. So not only were the Eagles dealing with a backup right tackle, but they were dealing with an extremely short-notice, unprecedented kind of situation there. So, you know, I think the Eagles are in much better shape than they were in that matchup. But one thing I would hope that Nick Sirianni has learned from is – uh, you can't kick field goals in the red zone against the Chiefs or, you know, closer down to that area. And I think they're like he kicked field goals from like 25, 29 and like 31 yards out. You can't do that. You, just, you can't do that. They have to go for it basically every single time I get on the bills from last year's divisional playoff round where everyone's like, oh, they did everything they could. And then the Chiefs, you know, just did that incredible comeback at the end. To me, I was like, no, they didn't do everything they could because they could have went for two after they scored that touchdown at the end to force the Chiefs to get into the end zone and not just get a field goal because Patrick Mahomes can get a field goal with 13 seconds or whatever it was. But a touchdown, probably not as likely. So um, I think the Eagles have to go all out, balls to the wall. And I think they have the head coach who is equipped
2: to do that. It's those crucial in-game decisions are, are what can decide a football game. And that was part of why I picked the Eagles in the NFC championship game over the 49ers, because oh, yeah. like one thing that you can guarantee about Kyle Shanahan is he's going to play it way too safe with the offense that he has and the personnel that he has he'll punt when he shouldn't punt he'll settle for a field goal when he shouldn't settle for a field goal and we see him do that year after year after you year won't throw
1: a challenge flag when it's obviously <laughs> yeah. like a situation where yeah. even if you, you, you lose at least you lose a timeout like in a challenge as opposed to giving up seven points
2: yeah and th- there's something to be said and I, I know like Br- uh, Brandon Staley for the Chargers like got crushed for it but it, it, it was his own doing because he had the aggressive approach and then he like backtracked that it was like it, it was like the conversations around him as a coach like got into his head, and then <laughs> yeah. he started questioning his own decision making. And Nick Sirianni does not waver in that stuff, so that's something that I can r- really respect about him as a head coach. Is like you know he's going to be aggressive, you know he's going to try to put his foot on your throat a- at every moment of the game where they have an advantage, and that's something that I think you can say you don't know Andy Reid's going to do that. Andy Reid like. He'll go for an occasional fourth down, but most of the time, Andy Reid is more likely to punt or, or go for three as opposed to going for a fourth down conversion even with Patrick Mahomes, which is absolutely insane. But last thing before I, I let you go, BLG, um, you mentioned the offensive line from the last time they played, and I, I was looking at the Eagles' Super Bowl offensive line because, like that, that I feel like that's one of the main things I remember about that Super Bowl is like that offensive line was just insane, like. Mm-hmm you just could not put pressure on anybody that was back there because that offensive line was just like a dominant force and this offensive line while it still has some cornerstones is different but seems like it's nearly as good as the one that was like totally impenetrable a few years ago in the super bowl so like what's changed there how have they adjusted that
1: yeah i mean i would i would say it's better in terms of you know you had your backup left tackle in the Super Bowl. And the Eagles were played last time. They had uh, Vati Vaitai, Big V, in there filling in for Jason Peters. And he had a great run in the playoffs there. But still, I mean, I would take—I think anyone would take Jordan Milata and what he's become uh, over uh, Big V. And then a left guard. The Eagles had like a left guard competition. They're rotating their left guards at one point during the season between Steven Wisniewski and Chance Wormack. And now they have Landon Dickerson. He was named to a Pro Bowl this year. I that was a little generous, but still very good player. Accomplished player, um, big pedigree. Jason Kelsey is <laughs> what five time All Pro now, or three like and just getting Just yeah, getting stronger as he like, gets older. Just talk that he might retire, and he, maybe he will. But like he doesn't need to. <laughs> he, yeah. he feels like he could play multiple more seasons at an All Pro kind of level, and just even further cement his Hall of Fame status. Uh, especially if he gets a, a second Super Bowl ring here. Um, right guard Isaac Sumalo used to be. He, he was the starter uh, for at left guard entering that 2017 season. He actually got benched. That was his second year, I believe, because he just wasn't ready yet. He's become a, a really nice kind of underrated player there. Um, maybe a step below Pro Bowl, but a, just a, certainly a really a good player, above average player by any means. And then Lane Johnson is just, like you said, all world kind of, like might be the best tackle, not just right tackle, like the best tackle in the NFL, that kind of player. And I don't know how it's, been the case but for somehow this uh injury he's playing through has seemingly not like impacted him majorly at least like he i don't believe he's given up a single like sack or pressure or whatever in the playoffs he's been awesome so that unit is just so strong up front and i know the chiefs have a good offensive line too but kind of like you mentioned those tackles i kind of wonder about not only going up reddick but josh sweat on the other side as well there i think that's going to be a big matchup between him and orlando brown But, yeah, you know, I think um, there's lessons to be learned from how the Eagles won their last Super Bowl, and it's building to the trenches and and valuing those. And I think there's also something to be said for having a quarterback who's just so composed out there. I think that's what Jalen Hurts has given him. And and to be clear, having an offensive line like that in front of you uh, certainly makes it easier for you to be composed because you're not really getting rattled too much with how they're playing. Um, But, yeah, it's a special team. There's a lot of talent. Um, I am leaning, you know, towards the Eagles to win. I'm not making my official – uh, pick yet but i do think the reality of this all is we're, we're spending a lot not just you and i but the whole discourse of this week we're spending so much time talking about these matchups and everything when i think we all know deep down it's going to come down to like whoever has the ball last whoever makes a play it's i think it's a coin flip kind of game
2: yeah that that's kind of where i'm at and you know the chiefs offensive line like it is talented but it's extremely frustrating to watch because They struggle with speed and sometimes they're just really inconsistent. Like Patrick Mahomes got hurt in the divisional round because the chiefs offensive line just didn't block for him (laughs) and he, and he got, and, and he got his ankle rolled up like that, but that's been the case all season. Like they have games where, They look like okay. That's an elite offensive line, and then they have games where it's like they can't protect Patrick Mahomes to save their lives, and he's run around the entire time. They're incredibly frustrating. I would much rather have an offensive line like the Philadelphia Eagles, who Lane Johnson hurt uh, doesn't matter. He's just he's just absurd. He's uh, just like Goliath NFL Titan player who's going to be impenetrable and be exceptional uh, along with the rest of that offensive line. But it's going to be a good game. Uh, I'm really excited. He's Brandon Lee and You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowden. Check out all of his spectacular work at bleedinggreennation.com. They're doing tons of great stuff leading up to the game. So if you want to get perspective from the other side, definitely check out their stuff. BLG, uh, wish you guys nothing but luck in Sunday's game. And hopefully it is a coin flip kind of contest. I think it should be fun. I think it should be a good one.